talking all things training, sport performance, and business, and covering the most important topics to enhance your training and better your career. I'm your host, Jared Filippo, and this is Muscles and Management brought to you by Challenger Strength, where we build your body and your business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of the Muscles and Management podcast. I'm your host, Jared Filippo. Uh, before we get started, as usual, I just want to uh, go over a couple things. First things first, uh, this is our first show of 2019, third overall. We kind of got uh, started late in 2018 anyway, so I just want to say Happy New Year to everybody, uh, all listeners, anyone who supports uh, Challenger Strength. Thank you. Um, you know, wish everybody a uh, healthy, happy, and successful 2019, and uh, I hope this podcast uh, really takes off and is a big part of uh, what a lot of you do going forward this year with your business and training. Uh, so something I really wanted to announce I'm excited about, uh, working on a guest appearance from uh, Pitching Ninja. Uh, anyone in the baseball world will know of Pitching Ninja. It's one of the most well-known um, training pitching uh, accounts on Twitter. He's now taking over Instagram, uh, has a really cool app that he just actually launched today as I'm recording, so I, I think we'll definitely be talking about that. Uh, really just changing the game in terms of um, baseball training itself and pitching, but also, you know, how social media, uh, I think he's a really good, you know, reflection on the things you can do with social media as a voice uh, for business, exposure, um, kind of getting other people's messages out there, maybe like a kind of a forum for others, not necessarily even yourself. Uh, he's a great example of that and a, a lot of, uh, you know, the business stuff that I want to get into on this podcast. I think he has, you know, some great things he's done that are examples of those, and I think it's going to be you know a dual episode in the sense that we're going to talk some baseball and, and training and uh, everything like that. But I also want to get into social media with him, use of uh, Twitter, um, and some possible things for you know how you can grow and, and really you know give yourself a forum for your brand, your message, and others as well. So really excited about that. We're working on that for either the uh, second or third week of January. So I will keep you guys posted on my my social media uh, what's going on with that, and I would also. Uh, I'm probably going to open up uh, questions for uh, him as well. We'll do like a little Q&A at the end of the episode. So I'll post that later uh, in the next week or two, and we'll try to get some questions from uh, everybody and see what they want to ask him about and talk about uh, while he's on. So with that being said, premise of today's episode. I kind of got into this a little bit last night on my Twitter, but basically... Uh, this is going to be our first business-related episode. Uh, as I said when we started, I really wanted to kind of get into business as well as training. Uh, I've lightly touched on it before, but as some of you may know, I have a business education background. I spent two years at Babson College. Uh, some of you probably either heard of it and know it's a really good school, and I'm not trying to like boost my ego up here. I'm just you know stating facts. It's it's a very great you know very good institution. I was I was lucky to attend. Um, with and play baseball there but anyway um, I went there for two years and I graduated from Rutgers Business School another really good school and uh, you know that was where some of my passion was cultivated in terms of wanting to have my own business Uh, obviously the training part of it came in as well but you know versus going to get my you know your regular run-of-the-mill job as a trainer somewhere I kind of wanted to have my own business my own brand my own gym so um that has been a big influence on me, what I want to talk about, my career choices as you know so far. And with that being said, main premise of today's episode, I really want to get into uh, five major things that a college education you know won't teach you in terms of how to make it quote unquote in business and certain things that are like basic but 
extremely important in terms of growing and you know getting yourself to a point that you want to be in business-wise, career-wise. Uh, you may say, hey, man, you're 24 years old. What the hell do you know about, you know, quote unquote, growing a business? But at the end of the day, started this from nothing my last semester of business school, and it's it's grown uh, pretty big. And I've had some, you know, great opportunities thus far. I've worked with some great people, and I've been blessed. Uh, shout out performance physical therapy. My friends uh, who really, you know, gave me a break in this industry. My, my family at the Jersey Hitmen. Uh, giving a young coach a, a start, and uh, my friends at the Gamers Baseball Academy, Untamed Baseball, um, Coach Asani Whitfield, you know, they've been great in, in kind of helping me grow and, and kind of working alongside with me. Um, and that's just a kind of example on the opportunity end of it, but there were definitely five keys I adhered to and, and kind of still do uh, with my business, and it's kind of, I think, really helped me grow uh, and expand and, and, and push my message out and, you know, get people to, to come along for the ride and, you know, work with me. So I really want to touch on those. And given the fact that I spent, you know, four years, eight semesters at two very good business schools, uh, I want to speak on like what was good about those educations, but what they might have, you know, kind of lacked in terms of real practical uh, business related things, whether you have a business, want to start a business, uh, things that can kind of help in that sense. These were like big five keys for me. Um, something else too, and, and I'll probably refer, uh, reference this uh, back, you know, as the episode goes on. But um, just a story I wanted to share uh, related to business. Shout out my freshman year roommate at Babson, Harrison Gray, uh, one of my really good friends. Still, we we don't see each other very often. We live far apart, but we've kept in touch over the last couple of years, even after I transferred from Babson. And uh, I think that says a lot. But uh, was one kind of conversation that always stuck with me, and we never forget it. We were sophomore year, first semester, and uh, as usual, it was like a Friday or Saturday night. We were kind of having a couple beers and hanging out, and uh, we just kind of both always had. We were both very good students. We had you know business minds. We kind of you know both wanted to get involved in business in some way. Both loved Shark Tank, uh, all that kind of stuff, and we just kind of sat and had a talk. Uh, as you know, you have a couple beers inside you, kind of, you know, ramps up the creativity portion of your conversations. But we just kind of sat there and, and talked about like business ideas and like what you really need to do to, we, we always kind of were trying to think of something we could start as a business together, uh, whether it was, you know, an app or clothing or whatever it was. And I'll never forget, we discussed like a lot of the well-known entrepreneurs discussed, you know, the biggest and the best way to really get into business is thinking of ways to solve problems that people have in in life. So um, figuring out like in everyday life, what are some things that people have issues with that could be made easier for them and how could you solve the problem and make a business out of it? And that was something that really stuck with me um, the years going, the years after that conversation as I went through college and, and as I started my business, you know, thinking of a premise of a core principle for your business of like what you're trying to solve. Um, you know, how can you make things easier for people, whether it's training, whether it's, you know, Uber making, you know, uh, transportation easier and more convenient for the consumer, just stuff like that. Like, how can you solve problems for people, whether it's inventing a brand new business or taking an idea that already exists, but just making it better. Um, that's a conversation that's very important to me in my business development. And I, I kind of want to build off of it for the rest of the podcast. Um, and that's going to be a nice segue into what the actual five keys uh, we will be discussing in this episode. 
what they are and, and what they involve. So I'm going to list them off. I kind of want to just give a rundown of them, and then we'll, we'll go in-depth uh, more specifically with each specific one. So first things first, really important. I actually started my business working practically for free, and then I took my one of my major first clients on for free as well. So my first thing, work for free and prove your worth to people. Um, going to be kind of hard to get people in the door right away. If you have the luxury of being able to kind of work for free and, and depending on maybe, you know, your parents, your family, another job for income, get someone in for free and, and prove to them not only that you can do what you can do yourself, but, you know, use it as evidence to others that you can advertise to bring people in. Create like a portfolio of results to show to people, organizations, teams, hey, I can do something um, I'm good at something, whatever it is. And I said teams, training. It doesn't have to be training. Whatever you want to do when you design shirts, do painting, cut hair, whatever it is, show people you're good at it, have pictures, have evidence, have results that are tracked that you can use to further uh, advertise yourself to people. And then they'll eventually start to pay you if they realize that you're actually you know, providing a good service. Number two, super important, relentless. Be relentless. Getting to where you need to be in business isn't a one-day, two-day, overnight, even a weekly or monthly thing. It could take a long amount of time, spinning your wheels for months and years, feeling like you're getting nowhere, but that traction and that work you put in, very important. Um, I like to think of it as showing people around you, like let them identify you as to what you want to be. So whether, like I said, whatever career you are, whatever kind of person you are, you want to train people, you want to do whatever, pump content out. Yes, quality over quantity, but there's nothing to say that you can't be uh, dedicated enough to put out quality content and a lot of it. So really try to make sure, you know, be relentless and, and don't go hard for two or three weeks and then kind of back off. I see that a lot with a lot of young people my age even um, that want to start things. It's going to take time. You got to pump stuff out. Let people know what you're trying to do. Let them identify you by what you're trying to do. Uh, the third one, really big, limit your overhead. Find a way. Keep your costs down. Keep whatever it costs you to run that business low and that's going to be the key to being able to go on with what you're doing even when you're not bringing that much money in four explain everything training related obviously here but like my premise when i started was making sure i explained everything and i still do in detail to people and let them know why we're doing it the reason behind it uh really goes a long way with people getting to trust you that you know you're not just putting fancy stuff up for no reason uh, let them know why they should believe in you. If you're a, a financial person trying to get into, you know, insurance or, or um, estate planning for someone, let them know like why you do the things you do, why you're good, um, the strategies you take, why you take them, all those type of things. Explain everything, soup to nuts, full detail. It really goes a long way with showing people they can trust you and that what your your methods are reliable. And the fifth one. And this has kind of been touched on already, but have a plan slash core competency. Identify what's going to make your business unique, what your main goal is going to be, and stick to it. I chose number four, explain everything, is what my core competency was going to be, that I was going to go um, over and above uh, to explain everything to everybody, have a science-based reason behind my training and all of that, but it can be anything. You have t-shirts. They're the most comfortable t-shirts uh, we have designs that are really authentic and every design is created by an artist or um, I'm trying to think of other businesses. You sell food. We have fresh made food, whatever it is. Pick something and, and stick to it. But we make travel easy. Uber, right? Um, Netflix, having your movies right at home. It could be something simple. There's a current business and you want to take the same kind of model and just make it better. Like you think you can um, take something and make it easier and more affordable or uh, streamline the process for people. Have something and stick to it. 
And when I say be relentless, put those two things together. Be relentless in your adherence to your core principles and stick to a certain plan. You'd be amazed at what can happen. So now I want to take a, uh, a, some time to expand on the, uh, the five principles that I just listed and kind of go into, uh, you know, into more detail on each of them and uh, some of the things that I've had success with with my own business and uh, things that I've learned along the way, like how I could be better and, and hopefully you guys can uh, use those to learn uh, for yourself. So starting with the work for free. So I, I started with the first thing on the list, uh, working for free to like prove your worth. Um, and I mentioned creating a result portfolio. And what I mean by that is um, build up, you know, a repertoire of results, clients, examples, teams. Uh, if you're in training world, um, people you've helped, no matter what your uh, line of work is, and, and just be able to kind of show how you get results. And sometimes the work for free part is necessary because if you don't have um, a track record. Um, you're not a known name, a known commodity, a brand, whatever it is. Uh, people may have trouble trusting you, and the only way they're really going to, um, you know, be open to giving you a shot is if it's for free. If they're getting something for uh, replacing the fact that they don't really know if you're going to be good at what you do, or they don't have a referral from somebody that's had good experiences with you. So that's kind of important there. What that can do is, like I said, it, that can really lower the entry barrier uh, for customers to engage with your product service business. So um, people look at entry barriers in terms of um, a, a way to think of getting into an industry. I look at it from the other perspective too, that entry barriers can, can be referred to as um, you know the relative difficulty or ease of which a customer or consumer can kind of um, get in touch with you and not even get in touch with you. Um, if there's a cost associated with something that you're providing, it's going to make it tougher for a lot of people to, to do um, the service you're providing, do the training. I talk a lot about training because it's what I do, but um, it could be anything. If there's a cost associated, you see a lot of people, hey, try a free ride, free haircut. Uh, if you do give someone a free haircut and it's the best haircut they ever had, they're probably going to want to pay you from now on. Um, fees can turn away from that early, turn away early engagement. So you want to kind of build a, a crowd of... Uh, people that are loyal to what you do and kind of are walking billboards and you can kind of make it harder for yourself to get that early group of people if uh, there are fees or, or barriers associated with uh, you know coming in to try what you're providing so that's a, definitely a big one um, once you do that you can kind of prove you deserve to be paid and then even beyond that prove you deserve to be paid a premium rate so if you're a trainer and you have three clients and you prove that those three clients can get results with you and you have them documented and you can show uh, what you did to, to make them better, um, the next 10 people are going to be willing to pay you. And now you have 15 people in your gym, and now the next 20 people probably going to be able to, you know, you're going to be able to justify them paying premium rates or, or the, the industry standard or above the industry standard because you've shown them that you get results that are at the industry standard uh, or adequate based on that or even above that. And your time is more valuable. You've proven you're a, value, you're a valued commodity and you warrant being able to charge higher rates. And I've seen it with my, my own personal business. It's, it's gotten to a point where you're not bartering with people. You're not negotiating. It's, hey, this is what I charge. I'm a busy person. People come to me because they know I'm good. If you can pay it and you can make it work, great. And you got to just work up to that. You can't expect that to be the first thing that you get to. Uh, free content and uh, free service at first when you have really nothing going for you is a really good way to get that going. Um, the last thing on the free thing, I said content. I just mentioned it. Blasting out useful free content is huge. And I say useful because there can be just for just because posts. Like 
your trainer a picture of you doing a, a dumbbell curl with like a fancy background. Yeah, you made a post every day of the week, but what did that show anybody? What did that do? Did it teach them anything? Did it show them, you know, why you're a good trainer, why your gym is really good, why you can help them get results, or how you can get them results? Does it do anything, or is it just kind of like, oh, I'm putting it up there because it's content, and I want to post a lot of content to, to build a following? Really not going to be as useful. Yeah, I know you'll you'll say, Jerry, what about like the you know Instagram fit models and stuff like that? That's a whole different thing. Um, they're trying to attract an entirely different um, market. And, and a product and a service more like a, you know, hey, I'm, I'm attractive, um, I'm in good shape, I get a lot of followers because of that, uh, pay me to market your stuff. We're not looking to do that. If that's the business you're in, then I can't really help you. That's not what I do. Um, it, I'm talking like if you're a trainer, you're a artist, whatever. I have a friend of mine who makes some artwork for me for my facility. He just blasts out pictures of all of the work that he puts together. He makes some of it. No one even wants to buy it. He just makes it and he has them. And if someone buys them down the road, that's great. But if not, it's practice one. And that's another big part of the free thing. You could practice and get better and hone your craft. But he can kind of have that Instagram page with his art artwork up there, um, showing what he can displaying, what he can do. And if someone sees the picture in my gym, I say, check his Instagram out. Now he's got a whole portfolio of things for people to see uh, and, and kind of know what kind of work he puts out. And, and they're probably gonna be willing to pay for it because now they know it's good. Uh, moving on to the second thing, being relentless. First thing I like to say is talk when no one is listening and show up when no one is there. That's that's a favorite uh, way of favorite thing of mine to think about. Um, talk when no one's listening. I posted two articles a week on my blog and two coinciding posts on Instagram a week. When not many people listen to me, besides some of my best friends and people that knew me the best, and my family obviously supported me early on. Um, and you make them listen, like show them you know what you're talking about. Give them a reason to listen. Let them identify you as, hey, that's a guy that's becoming a trainer. He's good at what he does. He writes articles. They're in-depth. They're specific. And you can learn something from them. Be that guy. Show up when no one's there. Um, my early days as a trainer for the Jersey Hitman, I'm still with them, but it, it's changed a lot now. But it was really all I was doing at the time, and I barely got paid. It was kind of like, a, like I said, work for free, get experience. It was a great opportunity with the high-level hockey players here. Um, I would have a couple teams to train some days, and I'd still be here for 12 hours. Uh, whether that was because I had a team at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and then not one till 5 o'clock and I kind of pieced the hours together, whatever it was, but I was here, I would go in the office, read books, articles, write articles, create my website, like putting all of that time in to learn and get better. And honestly, like, yeah, you want to make, be, you want to be uh, useful with your time and not waste time, but just being here and like dedicating myself to it, not, not only one, I think puts a positive energy into the air and into the world and the universe that like, this is what I'm doing and this is the good karma that I'm putting the work in. But if you can really make use out of that time and get used to like putting those hours in and, you know, dedicating everything of, you know, everything you have down the line into what you're doing, it can go a long way. And, you know, a few months turn to years and weeks turn to months and months turn to years, stuff like that. And, and I really, you know, you fill in the gaps with clients and the, the learning and the time you spend reading things, you get smarter you put more quality into your posts. Um, you put more quality into your training, and it really kind of helps you build up that following. Uh, just another example. I wrote over 50 articles in my first two years, and I probably would bet that the first 20 of them, not many people read. Um, same thing, 500-plus Instagram posts at least, and that's not me bragging because like anyone could draw up a lot of posts. I, they were all useful. They all had long messages. I was actually... The running joke of the, uh, a lot of my kids early on was I posted these gigantic captions that sometimes people wouldn't always read unless they were really interested. But 
Uh, I'm not trying to appeal to, to 10,000 people that might not like my stuff or support it. I'm trying to appeal to the 20 that really want to like engage with it and learn something from it, and that's going to be the key. Um, your in-depth explanations and your de- attention to detail isn't going to get always to the mass of people, but it's going to make 10 people very dedicated to what you do and enjoy what you like, what you put out. Last thing on the relentless side of things. Don't rely on traction to make you decide to keep going. Um, there's not always an immediate reward with this. Like, you've got to put the time in, and you may just feel like no one's listening, and you're kind of shouting out into an empty hallway, so to speak. But you got to just keep on going, and you can't look for that short-term, immediate uh, reward or satisfaction to, to validate what you're doing. Like, it doesn't come that quickly sometimes, and you could be a hair away from getting there and just quit because you didn't get it right away, and you just wasted your time, and you ruined something that could have been great. So keep pushing, 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 and don't look for that immediate reward always. Uh, Look at the stuff that you're putting out there. Even if not many people are engaging with it, it's practice for you. Uh, Third one, this will be quick, but it's kind of very simple. Limit your overhead. Um, Overhead, simply known as, like, you know, your costs relative to, I guess, what you're bringing in. Uh, If you're just starting out and you're not bringing in a lot, pretty simple. Got to keep the overhead down or minimize it as much as you can to be able to make money and sustain what you're doing. I talk a lot about giving it a shot and then waiting and being patient. You can't do that if you're not making money or if you're spending too much money. You're going to go broke. Good examples are ways to do that. Subleasing a space. Hey, gym owner, can I rent out 50 square feet? Uh, that's kind of small, but you get about 500 square feet of your facility um, to, to run a couple clients out of. I'll give you 10, 15%, 20% uh, of what I bring in. Uh, brings me to my next point. Paying percentage of your revenue for rent versus a fixed rate is really, really, really helpful when it you know comes to your slow months. Uh, it's only going to be paid if you're doing well. So upside to them is, is as you grow, they're going to get rewarded for you know having you in their space. The, uh, the upside for you is it saves you on the slow month. You're not always paying that few thousand dollars a month. Like It's relative to what you're bringing in. Uh, advertise via word of mouth. Let your, your craft do the talking and let your free, if you bring in some free people early on, let their results speak and let them bring people to you. Um, you'll save a lot of money on the advertising. Um, websites, you can make your own. There's so many and, uh, platforms out there to help you make a website way cheaper than having someone uh, code and design it for you. I did it myself. I'm decently tech savvy, not that great. You can figure it out if I could do it. Limit equipment if you're in the gym industry to essentials. Equipment in anything you do. Um, if you're an app-based uh, company, limit the app to some basics to get it going. You don't have to put all the frills and fancy stuff into it right away. Bust at the seams before you expand. Maximize, maximize, maximize the space that you are in until you cannot do it any longer. I've seen a couple people in the training industry go get these huge facilities and they've shut down really promising businesses because they were too anxious to go get that big 6,000 square foot facility and they couldn't fill it and they couldn't afford their overhead. You don't necessarily need that maximize what you have until it's an absolute necessity and then improve your size incrementally always have a plan for the slow times you're going to get an idea of what the patterns are for your business what seasons are big for you what's your less save money appropriately budget appropriately um have plans for you know different things you can try to implement into the business to make some money back on times where you don't have income you always depend on things like that um, I'm going to kind of put together the uh, explain everything, which was number four and the core competency part of it, because I really feel like they go together because one, in my, me personally, explaining everything was my core competency. And two, I think that um, it's a good way to kind of give an example of the core competency itself. So core competencies. 
what will separate you, your business, your service, your product, whatever it is, from everything else, and how can people identify you? Example, I made it my business to make sure that my content was science-based, had a reason behind everything. I over-explained. I really simplified it as best I could. Tried to give everybody a reason for what I was posting and why it was important and why it could be beneficial to them. I became known as that guy. Yeah, they're long caption jokes, but my friends and everybody looks at, hey, this is Jerry. He knows some stuff. And if he, if, if, if you know, he doesn't know it, he'll find out. He'll give you an answer. He'll refer you to somebody that knows it. Like he puts the time in and people kind of respect you as an authority in the industry that you're in. They'll look to you for answers, further questions, and then they'll see you as somebody who really puts um, dedicated time into giving you quality information uh, with what they're putting out there. That was my core competency. That's how I wanted to be identified. Picking up off of that, explaining everything as my core competency, always have a why for why you do something slash why you provide a service in a certain way. Let people know, I do things this way. Why? Do I do it because it's fun? Do I do it because it's easy, simple, cost-effective? Why is it helping them? Why should they come to me? They see that I do X this way. Why, why is that important? Why is that good? Why should they come to me versus my, part, my, my competition down the street who does, it, who does X in a different way? Why do I do it that way? How, how does it help them? How does it get them results? Um, how does it make their life easier? Why, why should they do it? Um, and even more than the why people want to know how you can help them give them insight from the outside shorten that bridge so if someone's looking from the outside and they're thinking hey should I go to this guy should I buy their product should I use their service whatever if you're telling them why before they have to ask you and how you do it it really like makes it easier for them to decide if they want to they're going to be much more confident in coming to you um, to train with you to buy your product whatever it is if they know why it helps them, how it helps them, what you do to help them. It's going to shorten that bridge. They don't have to spend money, go through all these rabbit holes to get the answer. It's out there. They can see it. It makes them feel like they know you and they know your service, your industry, your business personally before they even approach you to speak to you. It really shortens the gap and shortens the bridge from uh, you to your uh, intended customer. Um, if you can really just simplify those five things but really try to understand that having a plan and kind of being relentless like I said earlier on the podcast and and being relentless in implementing that plan and sticking to it sticking to it is huge and and don't be embarrassed don't be ashamed to do free work it's it's really a good thing Um, I'll go on to a little something before I go on to the next the last part of the podcast but in my early career everything I did was free my first major client was free. The first teams I trained, I barely made any money, but it was good experience. I made a name for myself, and I'm only barely three, three years into this. And it's really helped me so much because all it takes is a small few people to like what you do. Just get them in the door. Show them why. Let them go out and show people. Let them give you the ability to show people why you're good at what you do. Take your passion. Have, use those free clients, free service, trials, use them as your easel. You draw on them and you show people, show the world why you're good at what you do and why they should go to you. If you can really take these basic five things, they're not fancy, they're not math related, they're not telling you how to, you know, account, handle your money, uh, they're not 
you know, fancy marketing strategies. They're basic, they're authentic, they're genuine. And what I found at the end of the day is people appreciate that the most and it's a really great way to grow your business. So to finish off the episode, I really wanted to, to tell a story quickly. Something, you know, that really kind of changed my perception on all of the stuff that I just talked about when I was in college. And it's funny that I, <laughs> this episode's based on what college doesn't teach you, but this is something I learned in college. Uh, and, and ironically enough, uh, it wasn't a conventional class. There was actually these outside life coaches that were brought into the university that was at Rutgers at the time in business school. Um, and I was a management major. So some of the, uh, some of the classes, the prerequisites, not prerequisites, the electives for management were, uh, based on leadership, organizing, or uh, managing people, et cetera. And this class was really, you know, just a premise for it, was basically really geared at, like, showing you why you were, how you are, what made you tick, basically, like, who you were deep down, and made you really kind of find out about yourself. And as we went through the semester, and and the whole class kind of was geared towards, like, finding what you're passionate about and, and what your kind of goal in life would be and what direction you should be going into. And I'll never forget... It was like the middle of the semester and we were looking at some videos of like these really successful business owners, restaurant owners, artists, whatever it was. And um, there was a, a quote or, or kind of like a, a topic for the, the middle of the class. And it was uh, talking about passion and finding out like how you can make a career out of it. And it was basically the, the, the whole premise of it was find out what people come to you for what they ask you questions about, what they come to you for help for, and make a career out of it. The world will tell you what you're good at, what people identify you as. Before I started this training business, and this is what I realized in this class, that I, you know, people came to me for help with their workouts, help with their lifts. Um, I was in pretty good shape. I was was, uh, strong, and people identified me as that guy. And I realized, like, hey, you can do this. You can make a business out of this. There's going to be a lot of steps you have to go through to get there, but, like, you enjoy this and people look at you as like an authority in that uh, field take that and you know make something out of it make your passion into that business something you can kind of you know uh, feed yourself and and make money off of and kind of go with the rest of your life so that was something I kind of wanted to just share always try to think about that if you're trying to start a business what do people come to you for what do they identify you as um you know, what do they see you as being good at? Do they come to you to get haircuts when you're in college? Hey, you're the guy that gets haircuts. Become a barber. Open up your own barber shop if you want to. Hey, are you the guy that, you know, um, I need help with something on social media? Marketing, something like that could be good for you. Um, no matter what it is, like you're good at giving people talks. They're, they're not feeling, you know, themselves and they need someone to talk to. Is counseling, psychology. These are just so many small examples. Uh you're the cook. Everyone always loves your food, right? Maybe that's your calling. It'll tell you. People will tell you. Just just have your ears open and your eyes open to what's going on in your life and what people kind of come to you for. Really good way to uh, figure out what your passion could be to really turn into a business. Um, kind of ending things up, uh, we're kind of really happy with this episode and, and what we were able to talk about, and I really hope it, uh, it helps a lot of you guys. I, I've wanted to get into the business end of things on this podcast. Obviously, that was a part of the, the reason I started it. And uh, someone, as someone who went to business school and uh, you know started their own business, I, I, there are some definite gaps. More of like practical things you learn while you actually you know get started that you can't learn until you're out there doing it. That I really wanted to put out there to help people who may be thinking about going down this road themselves. Uh, to finish up, 
uh, just want to say as always, please send questions, uh, whether it's DMs, emails to me about uh, topics you'd like to hear answered on future podcasts. Um, whether I do a Q&A episode or I do an, uh, an episode based on one entire question, uh, I'd love to be able to answer things that you guys want to, uh, want to be answered and want to talk about. Uh, you can even comment on, a, on my Instagram post about the episode or on Twitter, whatever it is. Send comments, engage, let me know what you want to hear about. Uh, as always, please subscribe, rate, and review, and even share the podcast if you enjoy it uh, or, or you just enjoy my content in general. It really would help me. I'm really trying to grow this thing, and I want to make it something uh, something big. I enjoy doing it. It's only my third episode, but I'm really like getting comfortable with the process and uh, enjoying putting this out there, and I hope you guys enjoy listening to it uh, as much as I uh, enjoy putting them together. Um, again, as I mentioned, the Pitching Ninja episode coming up soon. I will get some details out on that as more come to me. We're just working on some scheduling. Really excited to get him on here to talk baseball and business. He has a couple of different things he's launched recently uh, regarding, regarding both of those things. So I think it could be kind of a nice dual episode talking about both of those topics. Thank you for listening to the Muscles and Management podcast brought to you by Challenger Strength. I'm your host, Jerry Filippo, helping you build your body and your business.